Thanks so much for listening in to the Saints Hill Church podcast. Our vision is to see heaven come to earth, and we do this by equipping the saints to know who they are in Christ, to walk in freedom through the truth, and to make disciples who change the world. We hope this message draws you further into relationship with our Father. And if you would like to give to the mission of Saints Hill, please visit our website at saintshill.church. And thank you. Your generosity helps to keep Saints Hill going. Now, on to the message. In you I find my joy. All right. Good to see everybody this evening. Uh, tonight is a special night. We, um, for the past... Gosh, how long have we been out here? This is like week six, maybe? Something like that. For the past six weeks, we have been in a little series that we called uh, Pioneer Again. And the entire point of that series was basically to think about replanting a church because after COVID and after being online, it felt like coming back together and actually starting church up again in person like this uh, was going to take a little bit of a replanting sort of thing. And so we spent some time just talking about the culture of the church and um, talking about a little bit of what our intentions are uh, here for Saints Hill and here in Newburgh. And and it was really, really good. Uh, Tonight, we are starting our annual vision series. So how many of you, this is your first time to Saints Hill before? Just like slip your hand up, your first time. Awesome. Welcome, guys. Um, this is a perfect, this is the perfect time to come uh, because for the next like 20 weeks, we're going to be working through our vision and our core values. Saints Hill it has been founded around um, a vision of on earth as it is in heaven and then 10 core values to describe what that actually means and uh, what that practically looks like in our lives. So uh, this is the vision series for 2020 and 2021. That's a lot of twos, a lot of 20s going on. But um, we began this church back on October 7th, 2018. Who was there? Was was anybody there? A few of you guys were there. Um, We were right here in this building. We were inside at that point. Uh, And every fall, we've had this opportunity to pause and to kind of go back and say, okay, God, what did you do at the beginning? How did you uh, get this church family together? And so then where are we going in the future? The reason for this is we want to keep the vision in front of us, the reason why we exist, always at the forefront of our minds. Abel, if you you call this place home, if you call Saints Hill your home church, uh, we want you to be able to talk about the vision and explain what this is all about. So, First things first, I'm going to have you stand back up. In your bulletins, there's a passage, and we're going to read this passage out together. This is kind of the passage that I feel like God has given us for the entire vision series for the next uh, many weeks that we have in front of us. And this is in Psalm 112, verse 1 through 5. Let's all read this out together. It's on that page in your, uh, in your bulletin. Blessed are those who fear the Lord who find great delight in his commands. Their children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in their houses, and their righteousness endures forever. Even in darkness, light dawns for the upright, for those who are gracious and compassionate and righteous. Good will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. You can go ahead and grab a seat. A few months ago, um, when we had our baby, uh, yeah, we had a baby. If you were here for school back in the winter, we didn't have a baby. Now we have a baby. It's pretty awesome. 
um, I began to ask the Lord, what is next for Saints Hill? Um, as the, the leader of Saints Hill, um, it's my responsibility to ask the question, what are you doing in this church? Where are we going in the next few years? And I began to ask this question, what do you have for this next year of Saints Hill? And what do you have for the next three years of Saints Hill? That was kind of what was reverberating in my head. And I remember, um, you know, this doesn't happen that often, but it was just one of those moments where I felt such clarity around what God spoke to me. And this is the phrase that was just kind of banging around in my head. It was this, I'm going to give the church integrity through the fear of God. That's what I, when I asked God, what are you doing? He said, I'm going to give the church integrity through the fear of God. It was very clear and it was honestly one of the most defining moments for, for me in thinking about our church. There's been several words or prophetic words, if you will, about this church uh, that we steward and we hold on to and we treasure. But, but this was one of those new ones that was like, okay, whoa, you're doing something different. When I heard this, I started to think of past revivals and past renewal movements. Um, I started to think of what they were marked by, just mass repentance, people coming to a church or coming to a space or a tent and just giving their lives to Jesus who had never done it in the past before, just salvation pouring out. I, I, I thought of these moments of just a sense of awe. I, I felt like I was a part of a um, kind of renewal moment in this area about 10 or 12 years ago. And I remember just thinking, I, the best place on earth is being in that building where these meetings were happening. The best place on earth was just being in God's presence. I, I couldn't believe it. My like 17-year-old mind was just blown. And I remember just being so hungry thinking, what's going to happen tonight? Anything could happen tonight. Um, I, I, I remember just thinking about these uh, past revival move, movements and thinking about just how easily accessible freedom was. Um, addiction and sin issues and just those, those issues of the heart that plagues people just in those revival moments just seem to, in a moment, go away and just be dealt with in the very presence of God. And I, I couldn't help but think of what that sense was, all those things, what they kind of came together to describe, and it was the fear of God taking hold of a place. That's what they all have in common. That's what all revivals have in common is it's the fear of God taking hold of a place. And it just got me longing in my heart as I was thinking about all of this, longing for the real thing, the real Jesus walking into our space, walking into our gatherings, walking into our homes, into our personal times with the Lord and just meeting with us, the real thing. See, as I was thinking about all this, I began to recall the heart of our team, the heart of the staff here, of our deacons, and, and really the heart of this family, those of you who call St. Hill home. See, I believe that you guys want the real thing. You don't want hype. Uh, you don't want marketing. You don't want human technique mistaken for movement of the spirit. You want the real thing. You really want to see God move, not something short of that. And that desire that we share together is honored by God. See, it's possible for a church or for a people who are experiencing God together, it's possible for them to rely on human techniques more than they rely on the power and holiness of God. It's possible for God to be moving in a place and for you to go, oh my gosh, I love that so much. And so then you try to replicate what he's done in the past. And by replicating it, you actually rely more on your technique to replicate it. And you call it a move of God when really it's just human technique. It's possible. And what can happen is if, if a church 
kind of builds itself around that rather than the real person, Jesus, what can happen is that when God is ready to pour out something powerful, something weighty into a people, the people aren't prepared because the church has only become accustomed to what they can control. So the church becomes accustomed to controlling the way that God, quote unquote, moves. And then when God's like, I'm looking for a people to pour myself out on, he's like, it's too weighty. They're not used to the real thing. They haven't gone after me. They've gone after their techniques. See, the people of God are intended to be able to hold things that they can't control. (laughs) Okay, here we go. When I was asking God about this next season, the next image that he brought to mind was that of a concrete cylinder. Um, And it was just this old, large, concrete cylinder. And I said, okay, so what, whenever something comes to mind, I'm always asking why. Okay, what, what is this for? What, what, what is this supposed to mean? And I sensed that this concrete cylinder was us. It was our church. And that God was wanting to build our church into a container of presence and revival that can stand the storms of life and actually last. A kind of container that, that can actually handle things that we don't control. Um, it was a container that could handle the weight of the glory that God intends to pour out. The word was this again. Remember, I'm going to give the church integrity through the fear of God. That was the word. I'm going to give your church integrity through the fear of God. Here's the point of all of this. The fear of God gives integrity to the family of God, the family that God intends to pour himself into. When the fear of God takes hold of a family like us, it actually strengthens us. It actually equips us to, to actually handle and steward the glory of God. Think, think of what integrity is in engineering. Chad, I see you. Think of what integrity is in engineering. It's the authenticity of a structure. It's the ability of a structure to handle a heavy amount of weight. Here's the point. Every move of God is weighty. His presence, his intentions, his power, all have the weight of his glory attached to them. And Saints Hill, we're developing into the kind of people who have integrity to hang on to what he's pouring out to experience what he has for this valley. You realize that God doesn't just pour, you wonder why, why do revivals happen in some places and in other places they don't happen? What, what is it? Is that they, they just were the cool people and God's like, I love cool people. I'm pouring myself out on cool people. Or was it, they just got the like, they got the, the correct mixture of church and, 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 and they just did it right. And so God's like, I'm pouring myself out on, no, no, no. God's looking for people who respond to him. He's not looking for cultural elites. He's not looking for people who have their stuff together. He's not looking for the mature. He's looking for people who say, I want to hold things that I can't control. I don't want to control you. I don't want to control the people around me. I want to handle the things that are real, the real Jesus. I think God is going to give us the gift of the fear of God this year. (laughs) I think he's going to strengthen us to go the distance. He's going to strengthen us. He's going to make us into that kind of a concrete container that can hand a revival off to the next generation. 
to, to my daughter, to the people who will come after us. There's some of you, you have a year here. You don't know it. Maybe you only have a semester here. There's some of you, you have a, a limited amount of time and the sacrifices that you make, the, the fear of God that you open yourself up to will actually influence the people who are gonna come after you. See, <laughs> I was just talking to a friend and he, and he was telling me that he's an, he's an RA of, of Ed 3. Anybody live on Ed 3? I know you live on Ed 3. Any Ed 3? Actually, if you're, you're, not, you're not supposed to say that you're from Fox right now because I know you're not really supposed to be here. Okay, I won't make you raise your hands. Anyways, I lived on Ed 3. I spent hours and hours and hours in my dorm room hosting God's presence. I, wouldn't, I didn't have the language at the time, but just spending time reading the Bible, spending time in worship. Make no mistake, there was somebody who had that dorm room after me that also had easier access to God's presence because that had become a place where God was used to going. There's a, there's a moment, you're like, is that in the Bible? It is in the Bible. There's a moment where um, Abraham, he leaves his home homeland because Yahweh tells him to go. He's like, I'm familiar with Yahweh. I'll, I'll obey you. He leaves. And he goes to a new land. And this land is a place where the people don't worship Yahweh. They worship a different God. And God shows up to him there. And he goes, oh my gosh, I didn't know that you were here. Why? Because locations have governances over them. But we serve a God who can be attracted to any location where he finds his people. Okay, uh, the fear of God. I wanna talk about the fear of God tonight. It does many things. I, I call the fear of God the superfood of a disciple. It really just can do so many things for disciples. Uh, just a few little, like, just like a little Bible survey about the fear of God. It, it brings life and prosperity. There's countless passages about this. Here's just one. This is in Deuteronomy 6. The Lord commanded us to fear the Lord our God. God commands you to fear him. Why? So that we might always prosper and be kept alive as is the case today. All throughout the Proverbs, Psalms, the fear of God produces this. Even Jesus delighted in the fear of God. Here's what Isaiah 11 says, prophesying about the Messiah. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of the knowledge and the fear of the Lord and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. What was the nature of Jesus' life? What enabled him to do his power and, and to live a life of purity and to gain divine insight into humanity? This passage is clear. It's the fear of the Lord that was his delight. The, the fear of the Lord actually positions us to live lives like Jesus. Proverbs 28 verse 14 says this, and here's really where I, where I wanna put our focus this evening. Blessed is the one who always trembles before God, but whoever hardens their heart falls into trouble. Close your eyes. I want you to focus on this. Think about this. Blessed is the one who always trembles before God. Always trembles before God. But whoever hardens their heart falls into trouble. What, what is that? Always trembles. Isn't that an interesting way of talking about the fear of God? Um, it's this, and maybe you've experienced this before. Maybe you've had a moment where you've encountered God in such a way that you've uttered these words either internally or externally. Woe is me. Have you ever been there? Woe is me. You are so other. You are so glorious, and yet you, you're drawing near to me. I, I just can't even believe it. My mind is blown. Specifically, what this passage is saying is blessed or happy, full of life, is the one who is always sensitive to the Lord 
trembles before the Lord, sensitive to him. What is that? It's, I sense you are here. I see you clearly. Blessed is the one who, when they get in the presence of God, they go, oh, woe is me. You are king. You are God. You are creator. This past week, I've just been experiencing this. Um, honestly, I have not experienced this since I was in college. I've been experiencing this tenderizing to the Lord. I've been having these moments where I'll just like be listening to, a, to worship on my, on my phone or whatever, and next thing I know, tears are coming, and I'm just, there's just a tenderness. There's just a quick-heartedness of like, what, what? you're so present and you're so clear about who you are. It's just really struck me. Uh, the other day, I, I, you know, I, I, I work in this building. We have like an office in, in process right now in the bottom of this building. And it's just got one couch in it. And I'm just sitting on the couch and I'm writing this message. And I'm, I want to talk about the fear of God. I could not even type another word. I just had to put the computer aside. And I just, and my wife and I, we have language for it. I got rocked. I just got rocked. The presence of God just so just touched me, and I, I, I don't even really have words for it at, even right now, just so moved on my heart, just making me tender to his presence. Um, I just, as I've been going through this moment, I sat with my wife uh, at the dinner table the other night, and, and I just felt like in our conversation, the Lord spoke this so clearly. He said, just watch what a people who are tender to my presence can do. Just watch what a people who are tender to my presence can do. A people who are easily rocked can do. A people who always tremble before me can do. See, I believe this is what the fear of God produces. It produces a tenderness to him. It produces a sensitivity. The other day, I w we have all this lavender out in front of our house, and, and it was like, this is so dumb. It was like 9 p.m., and I was like, I'm gonna cut some of that lavender. So I go out, and I start cutting this lavender, and I'm just grabbing big, handfuls of it and cutting it. And I'm not even looking, I'm talking with, with my wife and I just go, sink, and I just completely cut my finger. Blood is just all, it still is on my sidewalk. It's just squirting out onto the sidewalk. I look at my wife and I'm, and I'm like holding, I'm like, it, this is a bad cut. I'm looking at her and I go, I'm like, you're the nurse. What, what do I do? And she's like, I just, just put some pressure on it. I'm like, they didn't teach you anything else in nursing school? Just put some pressure. So I'm like, okay. So I'm putting pressure on it and it just it doesn't stop bleeding for like the whole night in the morning, band-aid off, blood squirting out of it. She's like, we probably should have gone in. I'm, I'm not paying that emergency room visit bill. It's not happening. So, um, but for the next week, guess what? My finger's pretty tender. <laughs> Everything that I do, I'm taking showers like this. I'm, I'm like typing with my index fingers. I'm doing everything with the finger in mind because it's tender. What is the opposite of the fear of God? It's indifference. It's callous, if you will. Think about what that is. What is a callous? It's tough skin. It's dead skin. It's impenetrable. You can nick it with a knife and it won't cut. What is the fear of God then? It's being tender to his voice tender to his presence. It, it, it's, it's the person who's able to be pierced. It's the person who's raw, able to sense the slightest change in what God would have them say or do in a moment. It's everything done with him in mind. <laughs> I'm tender to you. Everything done with you in mind. It's the moment where you're having a conversation with your friends 
And all of a sudden you just go, oh, I need to hold my tongue about that. I just sensed I was about to say something. I'm tender to you. I don't think you'd have me say it. Oh, okay. It's when you are, the other day I was in Fred Meyer and I was just so over, this is like so, my friends know this, this is not me. I'm so overcome with love for people. I didn't even tell you this, Emily. I like tend to not really love people. I like have to, that's one of those things I'm working on. The Lord's like, it's kind of the main thing. You gotta love people. I'm like, oh, people frustrate me sometimes. But so I'm, I'm like literally so overcome with love for the people around me, all masked up, don't know who they are. That I'm like, as I pass every person, I'm like, just bless them really good. Love them super good, God. Would you just bless them? Oh, bless you. And I'm not saying it out loud, because I mean, that's kind of weird. I'm like, they're like, what is he doing with his hands? Um, just, why? I'm tender to you. I'm tender to you. I remember there was a time I used to work at the library at Fox. And I sat at the desk, best job ever, because you just get to do your homework the whole time or surf the internet. And then every now and then people check books out. And I had this moment where I looked out at all these people on the computers. You guys know who go to Fox, you know, all the people on the computers. And I looked at every, everybody kind of milling around. And the Lord's like, I am attempting to have a conversation with every single person here right now. Will you endorse it? <laughs> I'm like, I don't need you. Did you need my endorsement? <laughs> He's like, I'm looking for somebody who will partner with me. Oh, okay, I'm tender to you. God bless them. Would they hear from you tonight? I pray that they would get touched, that you would speak to things you never dreamed that you even knew about. Bless them really good. It's those moments where you're going about your day and you, and you have a decision. You could either watch another show on Netflix. You could either listen to a podcast. You could you know, hang out with this friend and you just go, oh, I think I'm supposed to worship. I think I'm supposed to open up the scriptures. I, I think I'm supposed to spend some time with you. It's this tenderness to the Lord that is one of the biggest privileges of every believer. You, if, for those of you, I, I really feel this tonight, for those of you who feel like you've been distant from God, it's gone. He's, he can come near to you right now in this moment and he can tenderize your heart again. If you feel like you've had a callous heart, you feel like you've been let down, you feel like you've gone through experiences where you feel like God's been so far from you, he's coming close this evening. This is the joy of life that we get to experience him. But, but not only that is it for us, it's also for the people around you. See, your tenderness to him benefits the people that you interact with. And we see this in the life of Joshua. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Exodus 33. Um, Second book of the Bible, if you're uh, unfamiliar with the Bible, if you uh, still need help finding it, there's a table of contents in the beginning of the Bible, the first few pages. And uh, Exodus 33 is where we're gonna read uh, this evening. Um, we see this tenderness in the life of Joshua, and then we see the entire people of Israel, they have an inheritance that they access because of this tenderness. It's so beautiful. So Exodus 33, and uh, we're gonna begin in uh, verse Seven. Um, one of the beautiful parts of the Old Testament is how really through a narrative, it describes in metaphor the story of every person who comes to Jesus. You have creation, you have fall, the moment where you deal with your sin or you realize, wow, there is sin in my life. Um, you have exodus, exiting that sin, exiting that bondage uh, or deliverance. You have an entrance into the promised land, what God has intended for you, reaping the benefits of being connected to your creator. Uh, you have exploration 
in the expansion of that inheritance, of what he has intended for you in the promised land, so to speak. It's just beautiful. I love the Old Testament for that reason. And the question that I want to talk about tonight is what kind of person causes other people to inherit the promised land? What did Joshua have about him that led other people to get saved, so to speak, because it was Joshua, not Moses, who led Israel into the promised land. Here's what it says in verse seven. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of Yahweh would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Verse 10, whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they all stood and worshiped, each at the entrance to their tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young assistant Joshua son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Israel camped and they moved based on the presence of God. It was how they lived their life. And wherever the cloud remained, that's where they stayed. Wherever the fire went, that's where they followed. And so we get a little bit of a glimpse in this passage of Israel's culture. Look back down at your Bibles, verse eight. It says, whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrance to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. When Moses went to worship, the people of God stood and they watched him go to worship. Verse 10 says this, whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they all stood and worshiped each at the entrance to their tent. This is really a beautiful picture of a presence-minded people, an entire nation who made following Moses into God's presence their priority. They're like, what is he? He's going in the tent. Okay, we'll stand. We see the presence of God represented in the cloud, come down and rest on the tent. Okay, we're going to worship. But notice something. They needed Moses to enable the worship. They needed him to signal the beginning of their worship. And, and I honestly think that's a good thing. That's what we just did here on Sunday. Jake said, we're going to worship. We all were like, okay, we're going to worship, right? It's a good thing. But it's another thing altogether for someone to choose the lifestyle of his presence on their own. It's something altogether different for somebody to say, that was Sunday, and now Monday through Saturday, I have a lifestyle of going in the tent and not leaving. Verse 11 says this, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. I remember when I first read this, I was 19 years old and it was like an earthquake in my heart. It became a call. It really became the call of my life, a life of never leaving the tent. I've left the tent sometimes, but the calls remain the same. That's because the scriptures say that his calls are irrevocable. Regardless of my behavior, he said, the call of your life is still to never leave the tent. He invited me into a life of just delighting in him. See, for many Christians, they're like those who stand at their tents following Moses into worship. It's a, good, it's a good thing, but there is so much more available for anyone who wants it. The good news of the scriptures is this. We've all become the tent. First Corinthians says that we're the temple of God. So now we have the ability to never leave the tent by remaining aware of him, present to him, 
tender to him, an ear turned towards him Monday through Saturday. I was recently asked by another pastor in town um, what, what I do for prayer. I was like, uh, what do you mean? He's like, when do you pray? When is your time of prayer in the day? Or when do you get alone and pray? And I understood what he meant. But my answer is this, it's all day. As believers, prayer is another word for relationship. We've been welcomed into an ongoing conversation. We never have to leave. We get to stay in the tent every moment, every day, as long as we stay tender to what he's saying and what he's doing. When you're in your car, driving somewhere, what are you saying? Turn on worship music, just give him praise, give him adoration. When you're in your class, are you speaking something about my neighbor or about my professor that you want me to say? When you're in the kitchen, just washing dishes, oh God, I'm just so enjoying you just so delighting in you. Oftentimes when I, wa I love washing dishes, when I wash dishes, I'll just be thinking of all the things I'm thankful for. God, thank you for this. Thank you for my family. Thanks for my daughter. Thanks for my best friend, Jake. Thanks for this church that we get to be a part of. Thank you so much. Just cultivating that ongoing conversation with him. Our job as a church is to be like Moses. That's what our job is. As, this, as your leaders here, it's to be like Moses, to teach you what the presence of God feels like, to alert people to his presence to in this, these times of worship, to pause and to say, ooh, he's saying this right now. Do you sense that? Do you feel that? Yeah, that's what the, the spirit of God feels like. I remember um, I was a youth pastor at Bridgetown before we planted this church. Um, it's a church in downtown Portland, if you don't know. It helped, they helped us plant uh, here in Newburgh. And as a youth pastor, I remember one of my primary uh, job descriptions was to um, teach high schoolers what the presence of God felt like so that when they left the youth group, they could always know, oop, that's him. I sense you here. Oh, when I'm reading the scriptures, I sense you're connect connecting with me. That's that feeling that I've had before. That's that sense that I've had before. That's our job. It's one of the reasons why we're never in a hurry here. You're like, man, I've been to some long Saints Hill gatherings. Yeah, we're not in a hurry. We may wait too long. We may linger on a song a bit past its moment, but I don't want to miss him. I would rather do that than just carry on in ignorance, just moving on to the next thing because, hey, we're just doing church. We got a program that we're going through. See, our gatherings are intended to practice what the rest of our week could look like. A pause, a declaration, like what, even what Laura was talking about. Reading a declaration, we got a whole, car, a, a whole table over there of all of our 10 core values with declarations on the back of them. Grab one of the packets on your way out. Um, it, it, a moment of thankfulness, a moment of worship, just a, a time to show adoration. When you do that, just watch what happens. Spiritual battles are won there. Health of mind comes from that cultural change, even divine wisdom into a, into a difficult situation all comes from having the, this desire of our heart, this tenderness of our heart to stay present with him. My hope for us in this vision series is that we would develop into tender homes here in Newburgh. Whether you're, is there, yeah. Well, I'll watch him. No, it's all good. Yeah. He's over on this side. Did they get him? Wow. Matthew's big run. He's going to sleep good tonight. It's <laughs> awesome. Um, I, my goal for us is to develop, to develop into tender homes here in Newburgh. Whether you're uh, in a dorm or whether you're a part of a family, whether you um, have a home somewhere around here, uh, we want to become the kind of people who have 
homes that are surrendered to him, tender to his presence. When we left Bridgetown, um, there was a friend of mine who gave us this word for this church. It was just beautiful image. She said this, as smoke rises from a home and the neighborhood can tell there's a fire inside that home, so it will be with your church and the homes represented at your church. Fires of devotion will be seen by all of their neighbors. There's a fire in that home. There's somebody in that home. See, Newberg is longing to see an example of presence-based people. People are made for what Adam and Eve had with God. They're made to walk with God. They were designed for what Joshua had of remaining in the tent. It's just that many have no clue how to get it. See, the ultimate reason for this church, the reason why we exist, is to model what the culture of heaven is like so that heaven himself walks into your dorm or into your home and your tenderness to the Lord begins to lead others into the same life that you have with him. That you become like Joshua, leading people into the promised land because of what you've cultivated in your heart with him. Recently, I had somebody email us and say this. This is just beautiful. It's been such a pleasure and honor to be a part of the church that so actively seeks him and desires to host his presence. Experiencing encounter with him has caused me to crave and seek it more and more. And I feel overwhelmed with gratitude and excitement. Are you tender towards him? The goal of a night like this is to catch his scent and to follow him into times of deep relationship throughout the week. So to get just a little bit practical for some of you who are like, what does that mean? For me, here's what it's meant for me. It's, mean, it's meant getting my guitar out and singing. I have a guitar, I love to sing. And so I'll just get guitar out and sing. I'll just print off lyrics or look up lyrics of worship songs and I'll just sing to God in my, in my own time, just personally. It's meant um, just putting worship music on. Whenever I have an opportunity, just listening to worship music, giving him adoration, giving him praise, saying, I'm committed to remain tender to you. Um, for some of you, this may be a, a kind of a new thing. Um, we call it soaking. Uh, it, there's just putting worship music on and saying, I'm not even gonna sing. I'm just gonna lay here. And if you wanna meet me, just meet me. Because guess what? He doesn't need anything, anything from you. He just can pour himself out on you. It's the best. Sometimes I just take naps. I'm like, I'm putting worship music on. I'm gonna nap. Come meet me. Say whatever you want. Imagine what could happen in your home if your priority was always to remain tender to the Lord always to tremble before him. It says in the scriptures, if Jesus be lifted up, he'll draw all people to himself. So imagine what that means. The benefits of his presence in your home could exist without your roommate, without your child, without your spouse, even knowing that he's there. You could be hosting him in such a way you could have set such a tone for your space that next thing your roommate knows or your kid or your spouse knows, they're bumping into God in the hall. Whoa, what is that? Or in the kitchen or in the shower. Just, wait, I'm, I feel like God's speaking to me. What is this? This is so crazy. And little did they know that somebody's in the home hosting his presence in such a way that he becomes easily accessible for everybody who exists in that home. I believe that through this tenderness, God is developing us into the container with integrity to hold what he intends to pour out. So here's the call, church. Fear of God increase. To always tremble before him 
And he's gonna give us integrity to pour out what he has in this next season, in this vision series. Would you guys stand with me? Thanks for listening. And if we can do anything to help you, or if you want to stay in the loop with what is going on in and around the church, you can follow us on Instagram, download the Saints Hill app in the App Store, or visit our website, saintshill.church. And the yoke is so much easier.